Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong. It is Tuesday, it is December 8th, and we're inching closer and closer to the start of the NBA season. And BJ, the big story around town is what's going to happen with James Harden. We had a we had a show a few months back. Is there a problem in Houston? Houston, do we have a problem? Whichever little, you know, whatever turn of phrase you want to use. We do have a problem, BJ, and the problem is James Harden, potentially, and we're going to see what the future looks like. But First and foremost, how are you? How's your uh, how's your Tuesday going? What's going on in your world? Tuesday is going great. You know, the weather is always <laughs> a plus and a bonus living out here in beautiful Los Angeles. Things around me aren't great, but mm. we can't complain, just like the rest of the world. So, but the weather is good. So the- here we are, you and I <laughs> doing another podcast. We got a lot of basketball. We have a lot of topics to discuss. Mm. So let's get to it, my friend. Let's get to it. We got to push through as always on the show, on this program. And, uh, you know, we got up on Sunday. We talked about, you know, kind of did like a little round robin around the league, kind of touched in on some places, some things we're going to be watching. But I think the the real centerpiece, the real, you know, story of the offseason right now is what's going to happen with MVP James Harden. What is his future going to look like with Coach Silas and the Houston Rockets? Coach Silas came out and said it's on him. Uh, we'll see him when he shows up to camp. He does not show up to the first day of training camp. So what is the James Harden situation, BJ, from what you're hearing and, and what can we expect to see? Uh, and will it be as simple as he just shows up to camp and we keep things going with the Rockets? Well, what you're seeing here, Tate, is clearly a situation where James Harden and Team Harden have made a statement that they don't want to be there in Houston. Mm-hmm. Whether they verbally you know, um, said that to the Houston Rockets organization, but without question by their actions, they don't want to be there in Houston. Mm. Now that puts the Houston management and organization at a significant disadvantage because now they are forced to, whether they want to or not to make a decision on what to do with James Harden moving forward because of the, the structure of, of, of the business of basketball and mm-hmm. their team. You know, any team that has James Harden on it, that team is going to have expectations to win because of the caliber of player that he has played at over the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. So now the, the Rockets franchise, they are, at a, they are without question at a crossroad. And what are they going to do? Yeah, shout out Bone Thugs. Yeah, yes. here we are. And now they have to make this decision based on everything that has happened thus far. You have your best player who hasn't showed up for training camp in the first two or three days. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything else to discuss. Now you have to go about making a trade, but it's very difficult to make that trade because now you don't have the leverage that you would want to have if you are the Houston Rockets Mm -hmm. because they want to trade a player that's going to get them the most back in return. And right now, this puts them their general manager, their president, their owner, and the people who have to make that decision 
you know, that puts them in a in an awkward position when they have to either accept those calls, because I can assure you there are 20 or more teams calling them <laughs> on the hour, every hour, trying mm -hmm. to put together a package that will work for the Houston Rockets. And assuming that James Harden has some say so on where he's going to go, because clearly you don't want to get that player to your organization and he, then he doesn't show up. So there's a lot of maneuvering. There's a lot of posturing that has to go on to make this very complicated trade happen. But here we are. This is where we're at. And the Rockets franchise, they got to figure this one out and, and move forward whether they want to do it or not. It kind of feels like to me when, uh, not to make it about college basketball, but just when NCAA situations may come up and, and they're coming in to put in the sanctions and everyone looks around and say, well, I wasn't the coach when this happened or I wasn't the AD when this happened. That's what it feels like in Houston with Coach Silas comes in, he walks into these problems. You know, Daryl Morey leaves, we have a new situation with the GM. So everyone in there is getting caught up to speed or trying to create a new quote-unquote culture. But then you mentioned Team Harden. And, and the, the main thing I wanted to ask you, BJ, was, you know, we talk about generational things in basketball. And I think in this generation, everyone has a team. Everyone has, you know, their brand to protect at some level. Everyone has to put out, you know, their message to the media, their narrative, quote unquote, to get ahead of it. So what would it have been like in 19, you know, 91, if a, if a star player wanted to leave a team, it's obviously not going to be leaked out or tweeted out on Twitter. It's not the same situation that we see here. So it, it did seem like back then, maybe it was a more one-to-one -one conversation and it feels like via James Harden and via the Rockets, we get a lot of stories and narratives that are pushed out to the world. And I just wonder how much these guys actually even talk to each other because it doesn't seem like much. Well, back in the early 90s, you know, the same problems that you're seeing today existed then. It's, it's yep. not like the league has changed. It's not like everyone was happy in their current <laughs> situation with their teams. Players, yep. since the beginning of time, have wanted to be traded and have gone through numerous, you know, venues or avenues to get traded. And here's another avenue where a player just doesn't show up. You know, this has happened before. The coverage of the NBA now is at an all-time high where everything that happens in the NBA, we're on top of it because of mm -hmm. the media coverage that we currently have, social media, so forth and so on. When we played, in the 90s, if you wanted to get traded, you played your way to a trade. I'm going mm. to play well. I mean, when you wanted to get traded, our idea was this. I want to get traded, so I'm just going to play well. Because if you play well, that increases the chances that another team will trade and offer what the, your current team would consider equal or better value than if you didn't play well or you were perceived mm -hmm. as a potential problem. That mm -hmm. was our way of getting traded. If a guy was started playing exceptionally well, you started looking around like, does this guy want to get traded? <laughs> that was kind of our idea because you wanted to play your way out of your current situation. If you knew you were playing behind an all-star player, you know, we had this saying in the NBA back then, you know, the coach would always ask you to earn your minutes. The player always wanted the coach to give him minutes, but a professional was going to work the minutes that he was given. Mm. Because if I can work my minutes, there isn't a team in the NBA, whether it was then or current, that doesn't want a pro on their team, a true professional. 
Because those 10 minutes that you get, if you work those minutes, those could be the most valuable 10 minutes and decide the course of a game. So professionalism to me was the, the that was the, the goal of that generation. Mm. Today's youth, you know, they're coming in so young they are learning how to get to that point, right? It may mm -hmm. take them four or five, six years. And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying James Harden isn't a professional. No, he's an, he's an ultimate professional as far as playing, so forth and so on. But the way we went about business back then, it was just a different time, mm -hmm. you know? It was a different time. And, and who knows? We probably would have done things differently if there was social media and things back then. But what I am saying is right now, the coverage of the NBA is a whole lot different than what it was back then and we wanted to play our way into trades if i wanted to get traded just play well because mm -hmm. if you play well someone around the league was going to take notice mm -hmm. and that was the way you got traded and for us that worked because you know you wanted to get to a place where you could do two things if you're going to be a player here was the formula you got to get minutes and you got to get shots that's the only way you can become a player in this league. That, my friend, will never change ever. Every yep. player needs minutes. If you're playing, if you get some shots, then that guy can become a player. Well, and if you're James Harden and you refuse to play or, you know, even show up to, to have a chance to have any minutes, you know, that's the situation we're at now. And that leverage, like you said, for Houston – you know, it was a lot lower than it may have been if you have MVP James Harden. He's showing up in training camp and he looks, you know, just like he always has. So the, around the league, you say, oh, wow, I want to have James Harden. But if he's not showing up to camp, you know, then teams can try to, quote unquote, fleece you. Is there any location or any team that you see James Harden fitting into? Because at this point, it does seem like ties may be severed there with Houston. I, I think, you know, I always look at the Anthony Davis situation. The, the only good news for Anthony Davis I felt like getting out of New Orleans was that, you know, his agency or his agent wanted to to basically be the, the, the bad guy, right? They wanted to be in front of it. James Harden is, in, is, he is the face of this. He's the one that's asked for the trade. So now we're all trying to find what the, the potential suitors may be. We've talked about Brooklyn. You know, we've heard Kevin Durant say that that was a rumor. It was made up. So who knows how true that is. Uh, the Clippers have been another team that's been thrown out there as, as a potential place that he could go, a potential suitor. Uh, is there anywhere that you see James Harden going and saying, hey, this fits for James Harden and he looks like he could buy in? Because Westbrook, on the other hand, we just saw him get traded and he looks happier than ever, BJ. I mean, I see him in his new Wizards uniform. He's smiling. He looks like young Westbrook again. So can we find that destination? Is there a destination for James Harden where he can have that same uh, juice of life to come back to him? Well, you, you have to say there is a destination. Mm -hmm. And... You know, before I get to that question, I want to say that the only thing that seems a very odd to me in watching the Houston situation, and this is from the agent perspective, I'm going to assume, and I know it's not always good to assume, but I'm going to assume that there has been communication between James Harden, his team, and mm -hmm. the organization to some degree. I don't know to so. what degree, but mm -hmm. there's just some degree. Then when I listen to John Wall, who says he's had conversation with James Harden and he expects James Harden to come back <laughs> to Houston, something seems to, to have gotten lost in translation there. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, we, you have a player who says he expects James Harden to come back. 
then James Harden's actions aren't showing up to training camp. Mm-hmm. Something is seems very odd to me. I want to say that. In going forward, what does this mean for him and what teams can actually take on a James Harden and personality, what he brings? I think there are three teams that can do it. I think there's the L.A. Clippers. I think they have the assets. They have the team. They mm-hmm. have the organization that can absorb a player of his caliber. I think the Brooklyn Nets, regardless of what has been said in the media, I think that is a team that has the assets to absorb a James Harden. And then there's a dark horse team I think that no one's talking about, but that I'm keeping a close eye on, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm. I think this Philadelphia 76ers would be the ideal place for James Harden. Why? Because of his familiarity with Daryl Morey. Mm. and the ability of Doc Rivers to connect with a star player like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I think the Sixers are a team that they are circling the situation. I think they are preparing themselves for the situation. And I could see them making a move to get James Harden. I could see that. And I think Houston, if I'm the Houston Rockets, I'm going to remain patient because James Harden, without question, is probably the most dominant offensive player in the NBA currently right now. Mm -hmm. And there isn't a team that wouldn't want to add 30 points a night (laughs) to their to their team. But what do you have the other players around him that can take what he doesn't do well right which is defending and all of the other things but if you could add that with a group it really puts you right in the mix so i think the philadelphia 76ers are a team that no one's discussing but i could see them making a move at the 11th hour to get james harden and it appears to be and i don't know i haven't spoken to anyone in houston i haven't i don't know james harden and his 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 group but James Harden probably is forcing their hand, whether mm-hmm. they want to admit it or not. Some communication has had to have happened between Team Harden and the Houston Rockets. And if if in observing this and watching this from afar, I think that would be the thing that, you know, the Sixers would be a team that would be a destination for him. And obviously Harden has, you know, now publicly come out and said to the world that he is open to going to Philadelphia, which is, uh, <laughs> I guess when you are, when you're trying to get, you know, yourself traded, you're probably open to a lot of teams, right? Cause you just want to get out of that situation. So like you said, BJ, if, if, if Houston and James Harden have had a conversation, they know that he wants to get out of Houston. Now they're just trying to find potential suitors. Daryl Morey knows him well. And then in Brooklyn, Mike D'Antoni knows him well. He is the quote unquote offensive coach. Steve Nash has said for that team. Um, and, and so someone they're going to rely on to kind of set the tone for their offense. That offense obviously featured James Harden, you know, the past few years. So we know what that looks like with him and a D'Antoni offense. So the Nets are a team to watch as well. Um, just from Philadelphia standpoint with Doc Rivers, is he looking? I mean, I, I'm just trying to think about guys that he's he's you know paired with before with Chris Paul. I mean, is there is there someone that he can look at? Um, just a past relationship. Obviously, Paul Pierce, he worked with before KG. Is there something that Coach Doc Rivers can rely on to uh, 
to to get some sort of uh, relationship built there with James Harden? Because it does seem like James Harden has all the talent in the world, and if he does have that guiding hand, who knows? He could be an NBA champion. He obviously has all, all, all the ability in the world to do that. He just hasn't been able to get over the hump yet. Well, if you can put James Harden with, let's say, I, I'm going to assume it's going to be one of two players that will be in this trade. It's ben either going to be Joel yep. Embiid or Ben Simmons. Yep. If I'm the Houston Rockets because of health and all of the other things, I would I would probably choose Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to put just by observation that a Ben Simmons package and James Harden, whatever it needs to be done to get the trade, that those will be the two players. Yeah, the numbers are going to have to match up just because Ben is on like an $8 million contract. Obviously, he's younger in his career, and James Harden has, you know, got the max. So, we've got to figure yeah. the numbers out. I think out, James, but... I think if I remember correctly, I think Ben is at, he's, a, he's at a max now as well. I oh, okay. He, cool. Yeah, I think he is. But nonetheless, you know, let the cap guys, the capologists, they'll figure <laughs> out, they'll get the numbers together. But those would be the two pieces that would need to be in the deal to get a deal done like that. If that were to occur, you know, you would have an inside outside combination with James Harden. But I think more significantly for James Harden at this stage of his career is going from the Western conference to the Eastern conference, mm-hmm. getting to the Eastern conference right now. I is a role that is not as difficult if you are in the Western conference, the Western conference is just loaded with mm-hmm. really good teams, right? You have mm-hmm. the Lakers, you have the Clippers, you have the Warriors now, you have Denver, the Nuggets. Yep. you have Utah, yep. you, you have all of these teams that are Even a team like Phoenix that's trying to, to make a move up with Chris Paul. Phoenix, yep. Portland, so forth and yep. so on. Now, it's not to say that the Eastern Conference don't have as many good players, but they don't have as many good teams currently that that are as 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 accomplished as the Western Conference teams. If he can get he being James Harden, if James Harden can get to the Eastern Conference with a Joel Embiid and they are able to retain shooters or some cohesive cohesiveness as a group. That puts them right in play. Mm-hmm. That puts them right in play because James Harden can play a game that not many can play. He can play one-on-one basketball at mm-hmm. any given moment. Mm-hmm. And if you can have a combination of James Harden and his ability to play one-on-one basketball, along with having a balance of half-court sets with your inside player being Joel Embiid, on paper, I'll take my chances with that. Because mm-hmm. Joel Embiid, along with another dominant score and you put shooters and things around them, that's a pretty good team. Now, Mm -hmm. is it a perfect team under the circumstances? No. But on paper, the combination of those guys, the inside-outside combination, a one-two punch of James Harden along with a Joel Embiid, that's pretty good. That's Mm -hmm. a pretty good start. Mm -hmm. And then you can work from there. Mm. 
And it's interesting because it does feel like Doc Rivers has been, you know, Midas, our producer, you know, he's, he's from Philadelphia, big 76ers guy. He pointed out that Doc seems to be talking to the team via the media, you know, and he, he's telling Tobias Harris what he wants to see out of him, you know, as he talks to, you know, the, the Philadelphia press, he's talking about what he hopes to see from Ben Simmons, what he wants to see from Embiid. So it seems as if Doc is operating as, you know, these are our guys and uh, this is the team that we're going to have. But if they do make that 11th hour move, like you said, BJ, this could be a real interesting experience in Philadelphia. This will be the, you know, the culmination of, you know, the process, taking an asset like a Ben Simmons and being able to flip that into an MVP like James Harden. That would probably be one of the few times. I know Philadelphia fans may be upset just hearing us say that, but if they do that and pull it off, there's a chance they have a real uh, contender, obviously, with Harden and Embiid. And, you know, some Sixers fans may argue with us. They already have one with Simmons and Embiid, but uh, we are yet to see what that looks like with Doc Rivers. I want to talk about the Nets a little bit, BJ, because this is uh, an interesting situation, too. Uh, it's probably the second biggest headline in the NBA. Kyrie Irving, um, you know, Brooklyn just released the Basquiat Brooklyn Nets jerseys, you know, they are they are full on artists there in Brooklyn. They are letting the world know he and Kevin Durant. But Kyrie Irving says that he is not going to be talking to the media this year. Stephen A. Smith, one of our favorites on this program, he uh, he said he said that they should find him every day that he does not talk to the media. That seems like a little bit extreme. Um, so I'm going to try to find let's try to find a balance here in between uh, what we're talking about here. So Kyrie's not going to talk to the media, avoid the media. Um, just your, your first thoughts about that. Cause you're someone that I felt like is always done well with the media. Rick, but came on our show, talked about your time in Charlotte. So well, as a point guard, as a guy who's been there before, what does that say to you? Uh, is this Kyrie trying to pull a galaxy brain move? Uh, I, when I saw it, I just laughed, you know what I mean? I, I don't think it's that serious of a thing, but the media is obviously upset about it. Well, my initial reaction is. <laughs> You know, what did the media do <laughs> that Kyrie now doesn't want to talk? Because I need to hear from Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I, yeah, me too. I, 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 and unfortunately, I he's not going to talk to anybody, yeah, so we're no, not going like, to hear from him. Yeah. I, I genuinely like Kyrie Irving. I genuinely <laughs> like him. Me too. And, you know, when I see people on camera or when they are doing their work, a lot of times I feel like I don't know who that person is. Mm -hmm. Like when I see Kyrie that's being portrayed in the media, that's not the Kyrie Irving that I know. Mm -hmm. Like one of the nicest kids I've met, <laughs> I know he has a big heart. He does a mm -hmm. lot of charity work, does a lot yep. of great things. You know, I had the opportunity to play against his dad in college mm -hmm. and, you know, him growing up, uh, Rod Strickland, who I think is his godfather. godfather. Yep. You know, Kyrie's just a great kid. Yep. But what happened to where this young man feels he doesn't want to talk to the media, especially in the position that he's in as a leader of the group? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and if there's anything that I've learned over the years, and I learned this from my father, I learned this from being around older people, is as you mature, as you get older you have to do a lot of things that you don't like doing mm -hmm. and I always accepted the responsibility of what the media brought and the reason I did that was because when when, when I played you know I played with a guy who had all of the media attention you could ever imagine you know there may have been five or six guys that wanted to talk to me at any given moment 
But watching that other guy to me that was to my to my right, that guy had hundreds of people every single day. And you can't tell me that he was fired up to talk to the media every mm -hmm. single day. But he accepted that responsibility. And Kyrie is a special talent. That young man is he, he's gifted. I mean, he's mm -hmm. he's a gifted player. And I just hope that there's some way for him to have the balance that he needs to be the best version of Kyrie Irving because the Kyrie Irving that I know when the camera's not there, you know, what is it? And I just wish there was some way that we could, like, get Kyrie because he's funny. Yeah, He has things that he says, whether he's joking or not. Mm -hmm. He's terrific. He really is. Yep. And, but it's unfortunate that we've gotten to this point. It's unfortunate because, mm -hmm. you know, he, he, he's a great interview. Yeah. Kyrie, yeah, is, yeah. A, Ky say. Kyrie <laughs> is a great, he's a great interview. Yeah. I, yep. I want Kyrie. I need Kyrie. And when, uh, when we're down at the, uh, I can't remember. It's one of those USA events or whatever. I mean, he, he's really funny. Mm -hmm. He's, he's. I mean, he's got a he's got a good spirit, good smile. But this is what this league does to you over time. Yeah. It just kind of wears you down. It just wears you down to a point where you don't even want to talk anymore. And I'm sure, you know, as as you know, in, in the boxing world, they say you can only take so many shots. Yep. Yep. So maybe this is his solution. But I hope he comes back. Why? Because this league. These young players who look up to Kyrie Irving, the fans who love Kyrie Irving, you know, we feel all of this pressure when you're in that situation. And I get it. But there's a there are millions of people out there who want to hear from Kyrie Irving, mm -hmm. me included. Yeah, I want to hear what he has to say. So I hope he comes back. I hope this is just short lived. You know, I've seen many a player go through this. Kyrie, come back. Come back for us. We 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 need you. We need to hear from you. Because he has he has a lot of positive things and he's he's doing good work. He's doing good charity work right now. Yep. Yep. He's doing a lot of positive things. So I don't want that negative energy to win. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and, keep and the he, fight. Keep the fight. And uh I know he feels jaded. It does seem like he has he has that perfect example, like we said, where you try to Kevin Durant and him. The reason I think they get along is probably they, they mean so well with what they're saying. Right. They, they have such good intentions. And when their intentions are misconstrued, they take it personally because they like you said, he has such a big heart. I think Kevin's the same way. Um, I, I saw him when he was in Golden State, when he was winning finals MVP. And all I wanted to do was give him a hug. You know, I just want to say, hey, man, you deserve all the credit in the world. And they never, they never able were. I mean, Kyrie hit a game winning shot in the NBA Finals, and somehow, you know, he didn't get to enjoy that. It felt like, and and I hope, like you said, I hope they get to the point where they get to reflecting and 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 looking back on what they've done and say, hey, I'm, I'm the oldest veteran on this team. Like Kevin Durant's 13 years in, the oldest guy on the Nets. He's the leader of that locker room. You know, I hope he embraces, right. you know, that situation. Kyrie's nine years in. I think he's the second, maybe maybe the third behind DeAndre Jordan. I think so. Like the three of those guys. They can be savvy veteran leaders that kind of set the tone for that team and lead the way. And that's what they wanted at the end of the day. That's what Kyrie said he wanted in Cleveland. Then LeBron came back, so he lost that quote-unquote leadership. Kevin Durant went to Golden State. He said, this is Steph team. Steph's team. I want to be the leader. 
Now they have that opportunity, and I'm excited to see them take it and run with it. I'm happy to hear that Kevin Durant looks healthy in practice. I'm happy that Kyrie apparently has been doing a bunch of you know practice sessions that everyone's saying he looks incredible. Um, you mentioned you know the top talking about Houston. John Wall went through one training camp practice, and afterwards he was just so grateful to do it. And I think that those stories and those conversations about being positive and uh, enjoying the game that we all love so much, that is what I hope to see. The media can be a lot. We know that. We, we are taking part of it right now. Uh, we try to debunk all the narratives that we can, but narratives are tough to deal with. When people don't understand where you're coming from, it's hard to fight the fight. And uh, we're with you, Kyrie. Fight the fight. Do some interviews. Maybe come on pushing through. Come we'll on talk to you. pushing through. We'll let Kyrie. you say whatever you want, Kyrie. That's, that's, that's what we can guarantee here. You can we'll control your fun. own narrative. Yeah. Kyrie, I mean, he really is a great kid. That's he the is. Thing. He's hilarious. That's and that's. You know, that's the one thing that I've I've learned in this business, your public life. And then you get a chance to know these people off camera. Yep. And he is funny. <laughs> he, I mean, he's like he's like he has quick wit. You know, he's like mm. he's, he's a great kid. He's a great kid. But I get it. I've seen this movie. I'm sure we'll be back. And um, but yeah, let's let's hope we we can get through this. Yeah, fingers crossed we can get through this. Uh, BJ, I think that's all we got for today. I mean, those are probably the two biggest stories. We got the, the the situation to really watch out for is what will James Harden do next? You know, will he be on the move? What teams will be interested? You you mentioned the 76ers. I feel like that is the team that's going to kind of step up and, and kind of ascend right. and say, this is the guy that we won't. We'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. We'll see what happens with that. Midas is shaking his head right now as I, bring, as I mentioned this. He does not want to see the Ben Simmons Embiid process in like many Sixers fans, but who knows? Fingers crossed we'll get an answer uh, You know, with James Harden very soon. Is there anything else we need to hit in the NBA world or in your world? I, I think that's it. Just think of this. In a couple okay. of days, by Friday, we will have our first exhibition game. Oof. And we're, and we're showing it. that on and we're showing that on TV, right? They're they're showing preseason games. Wow. Yes, that's the world the, we live yeah, in. The preseason games Friday this week. We'll, we'll have our first exhibition games. We'll get a chance to see these rookies instead of seeing them in summer league. We'll actually wow. see them in a real exhibition game with the season literally right around the corner. Right around the corner, uh, we'll be watching all those games. We'll be keeping you up to date here on Pushing Through. We appreciate everyone tuning in and listening to us, and we'll be back on Thursday. Thanks. Thank you. Tate, yep. I want to ask you a quick question. Yeah, yeah, please. How good would Larry Bird be in today's <laughs> game? Amazing. Uh, I think. No, Larry, I need more than amazing. No, no, no. no. I, 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 I will say this. Th player. This always becomes like a, like a graphic that goes out when you say like Michael Jordan would average 50 points per game in today's NBA. I'll say that. Larry Bird would average 50 points per game in today's NBA because uh, that's, the, that's the extreme thing that people want to see. But I think Larry Bird is the best pure shooter the game has ever seen. And uh, I know that Steph Curry is the best three-point shooter. I know that, you know, there's some arguments to be made about other guys. But Larry Bird... Whenever he took a shot, I believed it was going in every single time. And uh, and I know that you enjoy Tweety Bird is what you call him. I, I think he is a walking, living legend. I think he is, as Bill Murray said, he's not white, he's clear. He's a different breed. <laughs> and, uh, and we love Larry Bird. He's the best. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> there you go. That's it. All right.